It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Roaring. Each week, we look at sports topics locally, some nationally. We've got a gambling segment that's dwindling uh, by by the week as, as football games are getting less and less. And, of course, our favorite segment of the show where you can ask me a question, ask Skinny anything. We wish we had a lot of college basketball to talk about. We, we don't. Um, Bengals offseason, I think, revolves around whether or not to draft Penn Sewell with the fifth pick overall, which I vehemently disagree with, but uh, we may save that for down the road because we're still two months from free agency. The Reds haven't made any major moves. The, the biggest news for the Reds is the fact that people are denying whether or not trade rumors were were true or not. And um, other than that, we've kind of hit the lull of sports, Rick. And and we, you know, look, you and I muddled through this podcast during uh, during the height of the pandemic when everything was shut down and we managed to churn out a podcast every week, but uh, here we are in what should be the hotbed of a sports, a sports season with a lot of convergence a few weeks away from pitchers and catchers. College basketball should be neck deep into conference action. Uh, the NFL never goes away, never sleeps, but man, this has been some, some dry times. Well, it is getting tough, but I, you, you said the betting segment is winding down. It is in terms of games, but it's heating up in terms of competition. We've well, got a tight point. little race going on good, here all of a sudden. Point. These last few games are really going to matter to us, so that's exciting. And like you said, Skinny, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about in terms of local sports, but we still got a show. I mean, we're, we're we still going to exactly. get a couple of show. Yeah, we're not going to not do a show. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, the big thing right now is just college basketball. A lot of it's being canceled. So let's let's start there. Kentucky may wish more of their games were being canceled right now. They lost again Wednesday night for the third straight time. This one was in heartbreaking fashion to Georgia. The Bulldogs scored an underneath out of bounds play with 1.3 seconds left when 63-62. It marked Georgia's first win over Kentucky since March 7th, 2013. We talked Sunday about Cal's comments after the loss to Auburn and the fan base's frustrations with him. After Wednesday's loss, he talked a lot about his team's mental health and how hard this is on all of them. I guess my question would be, if you're a UK fan, what do you want to see at this point from this team, given where they're the se- at? The season end? I mean, I, I mean I honestly. Think that, I think that's where you are because you, you know this. Um, it's been a one-and-done era for Cal. And so you know that every year there's going to be a new crop of guys coming through anyway. And I think for if I if I'm a fan for me, it's 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 that point. I mean, I guess you could hold out hope that if there is a conference tournament, that Kentucky could get hot and fix it because they do have some 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 individual talent in a league that doesn't have a ton of it. There's there's some good players, and Alabama's proving to be maybe the best team, but you know, it's not a great league. So maybe that that's the hope you have, but as the weeks go by and the games go by and they continue to do the same things, turn the ball over, not be able to shoot from the perimeter. Uh, he can't find combinations that work, or if he does find a combination that works, he stubbornly doesn't play it. Um, I, I think if I'm a Kentucky fan, I just want to turn the page and, and move the next year already. And that's the sad thing about this and where I kind of get the whole issue fans have with Cal, because right now you can't even look at it and say, well, we got to develop this guy and that guy for next year. Cause it's like, who's going to stay? Honestly. I mean, you never really have a good feeling about that. If you're a UK fan, any of the guys who were brought in as five-star type recruits who have a chance to go in the first round, which we can certainly argue about which out of this crop have that opportunity, or at least will it by the end of the year. And that's a legitimate argument, but the guys who aren't good enough, who who's stuck around recently. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, I mean, Dante Allen, I, 
I get okay. He's from Kentucky, so you feel good about that one, maybe. But honestly, with the way things have gone with him and Coach Cal this year, I, I don't know that I'd even feel great about that. I think that one's up in the air after this season, too. So that to me would be the most frustrating part about this UK stuff right now is just what is there to really play for right now? I, you, you, you don't build towards next year when you're in Cal's program. So yeah, like I said, the only thing I, I could think of is is the, the is having that shot in the conference tournament. But I don't think this team's good enough to win four games in four days, or maybe whatever it would be, five games in five days, maybe depending on how the, the, the where they finish. They'll probably finish middle of the pack in the league because it's not a very good league. But um, I just don't see them being able to do that. Um, I mean, we're we're now thirteen games is a pretty decent sample size, and I know this is a weird year. It's a disjointed year. But this team pretty much, like I said, last night's a microcosm, right? Can't shoot the three ball. They make careless turnovers. Um, they do guard at times, but then couldn't guard a simple inbounds play at the end of the game when they had to, um, you know, breakdowns in, in, in different things, lineup combinations that don't work. It's it's just a mess. And, it, you know, I, 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 I was thinking last night, maybe, okay, look, kind of take another reset. You know, you, you beat Georgia and suddenly you look up and you're, you're still four and two in the league and feel pretty good about that. And one of those losses would have been to Alabama and, I think you're seeing Alabama's kind of asserting itself as the best team in the league. And I think you could have lived with that. But after last night, I just don't know where you go. I just don't. All right, Rick, uh, NKU is going to play the newest member of the Horizon League this weekend as they travel to uh, Robert Morris for those back-to-back games. Norse have lost four straight. And uh, I'll be honest, I mean, if you look at what is the main issue and can this team snap out of it to make a, a, a run at the one-bid league in a one-bid league? Well, we, we talked at the end of our Sunday night college basketball podcast about NKU briefly, and I think we kind of got into something there that I actually brought up on the coaches show Monday night with Darren Horn, and and he seemed to think it was it was a big deal, and, and it was something that was legit. And that's the idea of just these upperclassmen who are in the conference who have been taking beatdowns from NKU the last anywhere from four to two years, depending on, you know, had, had they transferred into the league or what have you. But the, these guys were juniors and seniors who remember NKU coming to their gym, beating them by 25 last year, beating them by 17 last year on their home court. And they come into NKU and they see a young team that doesn't really understand why they have this target on their back or doesn't understand why everyone is at their neck and giving them their best shot. And they see a vulnerable group. And I think that that's a lot of it. You know, guys like Marquez Wark and David Bam and Trey Robinson, the freshman Frank KU, don't understand why they have these bigger, stronger guys coming at them so hard, giving them their best shot every game, looking much better than they did on film leading up to the game. I think th- there's some of that that's going on, and th- these guys are just a little shell-shocked from it. And the other side of it is they don't have much shooting. I mean, let's face it. A lot of these teams, when we talk about their issues, it comes back to – what type of skill level and feel and IQ do they have on the offensive end? And can they, can they put the ball in the basket? And if you can't do that, that's usually where your, your problems start in basketball. And I think for NKU, they're, they're dealing with that. They just don't have enough skill from the outside and guys who are ready to lead you on the offensive end. I, I guess the only silver lining to this would be, and I think Cleveland State, it certainly has from a record perspective, but probably from an eyeball perspective as well, is is the number one team in the league. They're number one in the standings. And if you look at the, the weekend a couple of weekends ago, lost by 14 on the first night, but then pushed them to overtime the next night. You look at this past weekend, and while IUPUI was not good, and those were the first two conference wins for IUPUI, one's a five-point loss, one's a two-point loss. Um, you know, the loss earlier in the year the, on the back-to-back games against Youngstown State was a, was a 10-point game. I mean, it's not, it's not like they're being completely outclassed. 
And I don't know if that's the if, if that's Darren Horn, if that's your selling point of fellas. If we can clean a few things up, if we can put the ball in the basket better, and those are all ifs, um, we can we can make a run come come our tournament in March. Well, yeah, I think that's the absolute story here is that it's a one bid conference and it, it will be every year. So you really don't worry about anything that happens before the conference tournament. Yes, you want to give yourself a better seed, but you, you've already seen what can happen even with a lower seed. So I think what you brought up is the 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 big thing here is that they're not out of it in any of these games. I mean, e- even if you go back to Purdue Fort Wayne, who, you know, NKU beats twice at NKU and you're thinking, OK, how good is Purdue Fort Wayne going to be this year? Well, they've reeled off four straight. They beat right. UIC and Milwaukee. So I-, I think this team can play with anyone in the conference. The only team that's ranked significantly higher, if you go off Ken Palm, is Wright State, who's in the top 100, while everyone else is is closer to 200 or in NKU's case, even even farther back. But they are right in all of these games, and Wright State has proven to be kind of wishy-washy in terms of their their effort and their consistency, and they, they always seem to get upset early in the conference tournament. So I think there's absolutely some hope there by the end of the season. And, and someone had asked me um, for asking anything, is it fair to be worried about NKU's recruiting? And to me, I, I don't really understand that question at all because I'm looking at three freshmen who – that's all they brought in was three freshmen this year. And all three of them are in the top five of the freshman scores in the horizon I say, league. Uh, I say Mark Marco's work. I feel like for a while was the freshman of the year, every single week or freshman of the week, every single week in the league. He, yeah, he, I think he's only missed one. I believe if, if is that's, that what is okay. I yeah. knew, I knew it was close. And he is by far the freshman of the year leading the conference in scoring in terms of freshmen. And then David Bam is third and Trey Robinson is fourth, I believe. And the only other guy who's playing like starter minutes, that's a freshman in the entire conference is uh, the guard at Youngstown state Rattan Mace. So, I mean, they've got three of the clear best freshmen in the conference. So, no, I'm not worried about their ability to recruit at all. What you have seen is the guys they've tried to backfill the roster with haven't worked out. And, and you know, in, in terms of the JUCOs that they've brought in, the the, the upperclassmen, they, they need an extra big man. Clearly, John Harge hasn't been able to give that to them as a redshirt freshman. So I think that's, you know, the, it's the same thing John Brandon's run into at UC. It's what Travis Steele ran into at Xavier. Those guys you try to fill with stopgap pieces or a quick fix, those guys don't tend to be good enough because they weren't on a roster for a reason. You were able to get them at the last second when you changed jobs for a reason. So I think that's what they're dealing with right now. But the the actual recruiting part of it, I don't worry about it all. So. Yeah, and, and let, let me let me say this too. In a, in a in a in a league like the Horizon, a program like NKU, it is going to be very hard to sustain success every single solitary season. You're going to probably have a start over point, and this is probably a start over point. And you've got the nucleus for that start over point. That would have me worried if you didn't have the nucleus for a start over point. Um, yeah. I'm not here to tell you that every team's going to go in four year cycles where by the time they're seniors, that's their, their loan window of opportunity, but it's probably not going to come when you're, when your core is freshman. Um, it could come the next year as sophomores with some backfill to it and with maybe another freshman or two that can pop in. And I, I think that's kind of where this is too. There's just the reality of, you know, they've got nice freshmen. They don't have NBA caliber one and done freshmen that can be transcendent and can carry a team like the Zion Williams and RJ Barrett group at, at, at Duke. Um, but they can be the foundation for the next couple of years to then be right back towards the top of the, the, the league and be the team to beat in the league. And, and, and I, I think that's you're seeing the, just the reality of that too. Yeah, and if, if you're wondering hey, why did it fall apart so quick, it's like, well, 
I mean, think if Chris Vogt and Jalen Tate were still here, right? You know, you had two I'm guys like, I'm, leave I'm, the program I'm, who would both be helping you right now in a major way. So yeah, I, I got home last night from from a basketball game, and I'm flipping on the end of the Kentucky, and then I turn on Arkansas and uh, and and Auburn, and there I am watching watching Tate play. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, and he's played really well for them yeah. too. So yeah, I mean that that that's part of it too. But I think you know NKU is in a fine spot, and really you throw in a whole coaching change to go with that. And it's it's like you said, you, you can't expect them to uh, dominate the conference year after year when they're still a, a really new team to this whole Division One experience. So I wouldn't be concerned. Um, with the Big East announcing that Xavier's game on Tuesday against Georgetown will also be pos- postponed, the Musketeers will have missed four straight games due to COVID. Across town, things aren't much better as UC is slated to miss its third straight after the Bearcats game against Houston was postponed. Scheme, which actually, is- actually, actually, technically they're fourth because the Tulane game was taken off the normal spot in the schedule and, and rescheduled. So technically, it's the fourth game. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but uh, still, which they both have been, they both have not played since January tenth. Yeah, it's not a good situation. Which team do you think this layoff is worse for right now? I guess I'd say Xavier because because they're the ones that that you're you're hoping to build some momentum, and it felt like look, the Providence win was kind of pluck and luck and a whole lot of grit. And you would have liked to follow that up with, with a couple of more and, and that kind of be your, your reigniting point in the league. And then yet they have not played since that win over Providence. And that that's in, you know, what's their next schedule game next Tuesday, next Wednesday. Yeah. The Tuesday. So yes, yeah, so you're talking about three weeks away. Same for UC three weeks away. I mean, it, it affects both, but I think for UC right now, it's just trying to, it's trying to weather the storm, right the ship, and 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 you know, kind of get through this season for Xavier. Oh, the check, check that. I'm I'm Friday, Friday against Friday. Butler, excuse me. Okay, yeah, okay, that's right. That's yeah, Friday the 29th, right? Yes. Tuesday yeah. got canceled against Georgetown. That's right. So Friday the 29th. So that's 19 days in between playing games. That's hard, man. And it's not like you're practicing during this time either. You got guys with COVID issues, right? That's brutal. I, 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 let me ask you this, because it seems like it's working well for the Horizon League, and I realize the logistics of doing this in a bigger league probably aren't there because you have midweek TV responsibilities. Could you see the Big East readjusting at all, or is this just we're muddling through to the end for all these leagues? We're just going to muddle through to March, and whoever gets there and how many ever games they get there with, that's how it's done. And the selection committee is going to look and going to go, we're picking 68 teams. And well, they're not going to pick 68. There's automatic bids, but we're going to have a 68 team tournament and we're going to pick the at-larges. And yeah, there may be some inequity there. There may not be apples and apples to apples comparisons with, with uh, different metrics, but we're going to have a tournament. I, I mean, it feels like that's all we're trying to do now is it doesn't matter if 20 games are canceled on Tuesday night. What we got for Wednesday. Doesn't matter if 15 games were canceled. Well, what do we got for Thursday? And the weeks just keep going by. I, and I don't think there's any thought of trying to reschedule a bunch of these games just to get them in. I think it's just, hey, let's just get to March, get us a tournament, get us some money, take a deep breath, and hopefully things are okay in 21-22. I think that's exactly where we're at. And, you know, the funny thing is when you start getting into actually rearranging the schedules around everyone talks about it it's so easy when you just do it on paper well this team had an open spot and this team has an open spot it's like well but you're also forgetting that okay now down the line you're now screwing your schedule up like you may be giving yourself a a 10 day break in late february right before the tournament's about to start you you know what i mean like so like these teams don't necessarily want to start screwing with their schedule later in the year by by taking games away because they moved one up or or maybe you're playing the like you said the the two games in it back to back like the horizon league is doing when you didn't schedule that way if you all of a sudden started doing that now and you know like for instance uh, xavier if they had a makeup against georgetown and they played twice in a row 
this week instead of that game uh, late in March. Then all of a sudden, you now have a, a long gap between the 27th of February and the 6th of March where you don't have that Georgetown game anymore. And that would be problematic for teams. And there's plenty of other logistical issues like that where these teams who freak out so much about it are you're just going to have issues if you try to start. Think about the beginning of a year where teams started losing their exempt events and everyone was trying to reschedule and it became a nightmare. No one would work with each other. They were all looking out for their own best interests. So I think that's kind of the situation we're in is exactly what you said. They're not going to reschedule these games unless we really get into a desperation situation where important teams are not going to play 13 games. But based on what I've seen, looking around schedules, it seems like anyone who's in contention is going to definitely play 13 games. So I don't, I don't see a lot being done about it. Yeah, I'm, I was looking here at the at the most recent net about the only team that hasn't played. Uh, well, the only team that hasn't played double figure games. Nova just got to double figures with ten, so they're going to get to thirteen, barring some craziness. St. Louis has played eight. Um, Colgate's actually in the net at nineteen, but they've only played six. But that's neither here nor there. I mean, most every one of them, Rick. You can keep, I'm scrolling down right through it as, at the moment. Um, I mean, almost everybody's already played at least double figure games, so I think we are going to get to the number. Yeah, and I think that's right, and that's why it's not a concern. And I think basically they know how bad things are right now. They see how many games are getting canceled, and they're just like, we're not going to put them at farther risk. You know, I mean, we're not going to rearrange schedules just to get them out there when everybody is is coming down with this or in contact tracing protocol. And uh, I think they're like you said, they're just going to play 13 games and figure out a tournament the best they can so they can cash that check at the end of the year uh, back to the original question about which team the layoff is worse for. I, I do think it would be pretty miserable right now to be losing nonstop and then be in a quarantine where you're really not allowed to do it, or at least not supposed to be doing anything like being in, being in a rut as a team right now would really suck. And I think it would be difficult for the players mental health. If you know, normally you would be going to do all types of fun college related activities to get your mind off this stuff if you had days off, but they don't really have that option right now. So I, I think this would be pretty brutal for either team getting the layoff. Yeah. I guess the only thing for UC is um, do you want to keep piling up losses? I, and I mean that sincerely, I, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the chance to just take a deep breath here and kind of refocus your goals, whatever those would be over the last, you know, six weeks, five weeks, maybe that gives you a chance for that as opposed to continuing to play and pile up losses. And no matter what people say, I mean, that's still how you're measured, and it still sucks when you have way more in the right-hand column than you do in the left-hand column. I agree, but the problem is you can't put any more in the left-hand column while that's you're on quarantine, so you're still losers while you're too. out. That's the problem. That's, yeah, that's true, too. And it's not like you're getting away from them. You still got to go in for testing, things like, you know, you, right, no, right. coaches are calling you, doing scouting stuff, like – yeah, I don't it's it wouldn't be a fun time right now to be a college basketball player and losing and and going back to the the whole thing with Cal last night after the game. I think there's a lot to that and the pressure that UK basketball players are put. Look, like if they were winning, he wouldn't be saying this, obviously. That's right. But, but I think there's a legitimate thing to if you're losing at UK, the the stress and the, the criticism and the noise gets really loud. And when you don't have any other outlets as a, as a student athlete, I, I do think it matters. And this they're, they're dealing with something that probably isn't very fun right now. 
No, and that's where I go back to. He 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 should shoulder every ounce of that based on the money you're making and all yep. those things. You shoulder all of that. You don't even come close to pointing a finger or blame at players. You may believe that behind closed doors, and it may be absolutely true. Look, as a, as a just an observer myself, I think BJ Boston is just a waste of time as a basketball player at the college level. Um, I I, I think there's a lot of guys on that team that just aren't very good, and and I, I can say that. I don't think he can say that. I don't think he can point the finger of blame. If you point it inward, take all the pressure off those kids if you really believe what you're saying after that game last night and and hopefully he does that moving forward all right let's switch gears here skinny from uh college basketball which really isn't even being played too much right now in our city (laughs) in this area yeah (laughs) to uh another topic our friend lance McAllister at 700 wlw did on his show at least sort of he had a great show earlier this week and the main topic that held my interest was an in-depth look at the Bengals and the reds over the last 15 seasons and why the reds get a quote unquote pass when compared to the scrutiny and criticism that the Bengals receive the main numbers look like this the reds since 2006 have had a 47.6 percent winning percentage They've had four winning seasons, four playoff appearances, zero playoff wins. The Bengals since 2006, a 46.6% winning percentage. So exactly 1% worse than the Reds. They've had six winning seasons, though, as opposed to the Reds four and six playoff appearances as opposed to the Reds four. They also have zero playoff wins. My question for you, Skinny, is do you agree with the overall premise that the Reds actually get a pass compared to the Bengals in the city? No, not at all. I think that's 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 silly. I, I think it's been proof in the pudding of, of the, the fans have proven that the decline in attendance has proven that they don't get a pass. I mean, is it a media pass? I mean, are you supposed to go crazy over every single game in Major League Baseball? I think part of the difference is uh, there it's go. 162 versus 16 weeks. I mean, bingo. That, that's that's just the thing about it. And I think right or wrong, there's more deep rooted passion for football than there is for baseball. I think baseball more is you observe, you observe, you observe. And then if things aren't going well, you just kind of fade away. And the flip of it is if you observe, you observe, you observe, they start winning, they're in a playoff hunt and you want to be a part of it. And I think the fans have spoken with, with their lack of coming to the ballpark. I think they got fed up with the rebuild with how long the rebuild took this past year, obviously made it very tough because of, you know, no fans were allowed. So I, you know, I would have assumed that fans would have bought back in, um, you know, down the stretch of, of of a playoff race, but I don't think they get a pass at all. I think there's been a lot of sharp criticism. I know for me, I'm, I'm sure Paul Doherty's written things about it as well. Um, I know talk show hosts have have been critical of of the rebuild and how long it's taken and, and not wanting to rebuild again. And I think for the Bengals, and yes, I guess we're using 2006 as the as the uh, as the barometer. But I think for the Bengals, you're also talking 30 years of not winning a play. I mean, let, let's go all the way back to that, you know, and I know the Reds haven't had a lot either, um, but they did win a, a playoff series in 95. They did win a World Series as recently as 90. And the flip side is, too, is, is let's face it, football and baseball are, are not equals. Football is, is literally, it is, you are set up if you're a bad team to rebound quickly. There's no salary cap. I mean, well, there is a salary cap, but everybody's equal. There's no, um, there's, there's no, um, you know, one team can outspend the other. You know, the, the draft picks in, in football um, come ready to play a lot of times right away. Draft picks in baseball, as we know, I mean, how many first round draft picks in baseball across the board you never hear about after draft day because they flame out in the minors. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that, I don't think there's a pass there. I just think that, listen, the, the, the football is, is, football is situated where, teams can bounce back in a short window to win if you do things right. And I think 30 years of lack of success have proven. 
I've said it before. They don't know what they're doing. And I've been critical of, I, I don't know if Dick Williams knew what he was doing. I don't know if Bob Castellini knows what he's doing. I don't know if Nick Kroll knows what he's doing either. So I don't think, I don't think they get a pass at all. I don't even know why anybody thinks they get a pass. How does anybody think they get a pass? Well, I, I will like, I agree with everything you've said, but at the end, it kind of sounds like you are sort of arguing that they, that they get a pass because baseball is different or they should get a pass because baseball is different, which I do agree with that. I, look, I think you hit the nail on the head with baseball. People are just different in general. They love the sport and appreciate everything that comes with it. They'll watch and enjoy baseball no matter what. Casual fans are easily able to tune in and get angry once a week for 16 games yes. with the Bengals. It's yes. it's just it's how football is. I don't think people can it, it. They tune out from baseball. They don't care about baseball. And and I think that's part of the thing here is like from a, a standpoint, if you're doing Lance's or Mo's job where you're doing call-in shows, you probably base a lot of how you feel about these situations on the fan reaction. You know, I mean, like, I think Xavier fans and UC fans are crazier than they are probably because I run a message board in town dealing with those people and, and I see all the reactions to every little thing. I think the Reds have actually just become less relevant as the big red machine memories have faded away and baseball's overall relevance has plummeted. I and think the Reds, that's, a, that's a big one, no doubt. And the Reds haven't been good for 30 years. I don't think it's that the Reds are getting a pass so much as it is like, I don't have any friends, hardly a, a couple of older guys that I hang around with and, and talk to, but not like guys my age that passionately talk about the Reds when we're out. Like no one's ever talking about, oh, man, I wonder what the Reds are going to do this offseason. But you can be damn sure that this past weekend when we were watching playoffs games, everyone was talking about what the Bengals are going to do in the upcoming draft. And, and I get it. Football's on and everything. And that's that may be a bad example in that specific scenario but that's a, that's the general case for me it doesn't matter if it's june july august january whatever my friends will talk passionately about Bengals football i don't have anyone doing that about the reds and, and no, i think and no, that's pretty it, it, much it, the case for everyone in this age range right now yeah and on that same front i mean here we are what should be the hot stove league time of the year right and and look um i'm glad there have been some rumors involving the reds they haven't been good rumors but there have been rumors but nothing's really been done I mean, let's face it, the NBA in the first two weeks of its season did more off-the-court activity, it feels like, than Major League Baseball, at least in a lot of markets have done. A couple of them have been very active. San Diego's been pretty active. Obviously, Toronto signing uh, signing George Springer. But, you know, the, the, I think you're right. I just I, I think for football, it's literally, I mean, you get about one month of an offseason, which is probably the end of January where we're about to hit to about the middle of February, right before the Combine. Um, and, and even then, there's a handful of coaching moves, et cetera. The Bengals still have a couple of coaching hires to announce that they haven't done yet. Um, so there really isn't an offseason in the NFL. I mean, if you think about their calendar, it's if you're a, if, if, if you're a playoff team, hell, you just went through last week and, and we're still relevant and being talked about. And now they're kind of, you know, two weeks afterwards of fallout now hits and then they'll get a couple of weeks and then here comes the combine. And then right as soon as the combine's over, here comes free agency. Free agency ends and you've kind of let the dust settle and suddenly it's April 1st. And guess what comes at the end of April? What people are talking about leading up to that? It's the draft. And then you got some mini camps and some OTAs in, in through June. And then they get another little four week break before training camp. And then it's training camp into preseason, into regular season. And here we go again. Baseball, literally, it feels like for almost every market now ends when October hits and we don't, we don't really talk about it again, unless there's been a major move or few last year we did because the Reds were pretty active, but they, it's not every year they've been that active. 
And, and so you don't even really think about them again until spring training starts. And for whatever reason, spring training, I think for fans anymore, it's just a, and maybe it's because it's in Arizona and not in Florida. People just go, eh, okay, I'll see you when, when, when you start in, in, in March. And then you're, you're involved for a little bit. And then if things are going well, you're maybe a little more involved. And if things aren't, you just kind of fade away and football swallows them whole again. It's just, it's just the nature of the beast. I don't think it's a pass. I just think football's a bigger behemoth. I also think a lot of the dumb reactionary tweets, call-ins, things like that that you get, the loud minority probably here, I don't think those people are baseball people. I don't think they tune in to baseball for 162 games. I don't think they can they can stay locked in like that. I, I think for football, it's much easier for the casual fans, the betters, the people that don't have a, a huge interest and aren't diehard fans to get involved and yell and complain about the team when it's not doing well. And I just think that's that's harder to do with baseball for uh, the fact that it's such a long season and just that it's a, a different sport in general. Yeah, no, I think I think there's a lot there's a lot of truth to that. Absolutely. So yeah, back to the original question. I don't think the Reds get a pass. I just don't. I just think it's apathy for a lot of things, especially when things aren't going well. All right, one more uh, topic here, national topic, but staying with baseball. New York Mets general manager Jared Porter sent explicit, unsolicited texts and images to a female reporter in 2016 culminating with a picture of an erect naked penis, according to a copy of the text history obtained by ESPN. Generic, generic. The woman, a foreign correspondent who had moved to the United States to cover Major League Baseball, said at one point she ignored more than 60 messages from Porter before he sent the final lewd photo. So, Skinny, I I can go into some more of this, but I want to ask you just before we, we do any of that, there are a lot of creepy guys who get exposed in this day and age, but is this one of the best examples you can point to in terms of cautionary tales for creepers sending unsolicited nudes? No question. And, and I mean, the fact he sent, what, 63 texts that went unanswered? At some point, dude, just get the message and just drop it. I mean, yeah. what did he think? Putting the full court press on, on a consistent basis was going to be a good thing? Well, it, it said... uh The text relationship started casually before Porter, who was then the Chicago Cubs director of professional scouting, began complimenting her appearance, inviting her to meet him in various cities and asking why she was ignoring him. And the text shows she had stopped responding to Porter after he sent a photo of pants featuring a bulge in the groin area. He continued texting her anyway, sending dozens of messages despite the lack of response. And on August 11th, a day after asking her to meet him in a hotel in Los Angeles, Porter sent the woman 17 pictures. The first 15 photos were of the hotel and its restaurants. The 16th was the same as an earlier photo of the bulge in his pants. The 17th was of a bare penis. Reached by ESPN on Monday evening, Porter acknowledged texting with the woman. He said, stock photos, stock photos. (laughs) He initially said he had not sent any pictures of himself. When told the exchanges show he had sent selfies and other pictures, he said that the more explicit ones are not of me. Those are like kind of like joke stock images. Yeah. which Stock is photos. just an amazing line. What a goof. What an absolute goof. I mean, dude, th- that's called a receipt. That's a receipt. You keep dropping receipts and it's going to get back to get you. And it came back to get you. What an idiot. I just, I, I love the idea here. I mean, there are, there are a lot of creepers out there and there are a lot of guys that, that don't get the hint right and are annoying and are overbearing but the idea that okay this girl has been ignoring me for the most part for the last few weeks that i've been but she really but but she really wants me and then sending her 15 photos 
throughout a day and not one response and then be like, all right, you know what? Let's go back to the well. I'm going to send the bulge and then the erect pick. I got to do it. Like that's, that's the only move in this situation after she hasn't answered it. Just, just, just see if this is really what she wants. How does your brain go there? How is I, that I, I the logic know. you use of like, I'm getting ignored. Let me go straight wiener on her. Yeah, I mean, I realize in today's day and age, even complimenting a woman on her appearance is sometimes for some over the line. I still don't think that. I think if somebody, if I dress nicely and a random woman just said, oh, you look nice today or somebody even I know, I just take that as a nice compliment of thank you. I don't know if I take any more than that out of it, nor should I and vice versa. Um, so in this case of him, maybe complimenting her on her appearance, maybe asking her for a drink. Okay. That that's kind of a back and forth of a man and a woman. And at some point when she says, no, man, I'm just not interested. Okay. That's, that's it. Game over, dude. Don't, don't press, don't press your luck. Don't press the issue, especially in the position you're in, especially sending receipts. Are you stupid? Well, that's the other thing about this guy is like, I mean, at the time he was a uh, he was scouting personnel or of some sort, director of scouting or something like that for the Cubs. Yeah. Director of professional scouting. So it wasn't like he was a general manager yet, but this all gets revealed after he gets the job as the Mets new GM, which has been his his lifelong goal. I mean, if you're working that hard in baseball for that long, obviously this is what you're trying to do. He gets to the pinnacle. And then it's all torn down because of a girl that you never even had any relationship with. Like right, this right. girl never even talked to him in person except for one time in an elevator. And you lost it like that. That's, that's just so weird. Like there are a lot of weird guys out there, but this is an all timer. That's not even serious lack of judgment. That's just a creep. Yeah. It's like, what's wrong? Like what is wrong with you mentally? But I, <laughs> like, Getting into a more serious side of this, you brought up about how, you know, there, there's a, a line that's definitely changed over the years. And I mean, honestly, like this is an extreme and crosses so many lines that it's very obvious. But I say, like, I feel bad for a lot of the women that were around that work in sports and stuff like that, where you see all the times like, oh, yeah, players slide into their DMs or even right in front of everybody is asking to take them out and stuff like that, which I get what you're saying, like. To a certain extent, men and women interact. They find each other attractive. Hell, there's people inside our workplace that are married and, and date and relationships. So, like, those lines are blurred all the time. And I, I understand why people, you know, ask each other out and stuff like that. But I think, like you said, usually if it's, uh, okay, it may be uncomfortable. It sucks that women have to deal with getting hit on when they're just trying to do their job sometimes. But like you said, it, it, that happens. You move on from it. You get, you get turned down. You move on. You start lighting them up with uh, with sex <laughs> later on. That's just a wild move. Someone did ask me for an ask any anything to name which local media member would be most likely to get caught up in a sexting scandal. Obviously, we're not going to do that. Uh, we yeah. can't name names like that. But when I just asked you that in your head, did someone immediately come to mind for you? No, no, I know I did. No. I had three of them. Only one oh of them is in sports, but there's oh three my. three guys that immediately like instantly come to to mind like so i mean that just lets you know what we're dealing with here though like this isn't an unusual this level maybe is unusual and for this guy to get where he got but like i guarantee you there are local media women that we know that are getting this from oh no name guys oh oh, oh, i know i know one that certainly did she got it from a from an nfl player and was oh that's an nfl guy i I think there's told us about it I think yeah. there's random guys all the time out there probably doing this to them, just sliding their DMs, 
no no response ever. They just send them five to ten messages and then start sending sex to them. I think yeah, that no. happens all the time. I, I, I don't I don't disagree with that. And that's that, that is there's no doubt that's unfortunate. But I think for this guy, like I said, there is always that that cat mouse game of, you know, I find this woman attractive. Hopefully she finds me attractive. Um, you raise it to the level you want to go out for a drink, etc. But if it comes to the point where she's like, yeah, no, thank you, though. You know, I, I want to keep this relationship strictly professional, whatever that point done shut it off it's game set match have a good day and instead he ramps it up to a to a whole different level how much stock, confidence, stock images that's beautiful how much confidence do you have to have in your unit to be throwing that out as like the okay this will overcome the 16 texts that weren't answered <laughs> <laughs> this is what will bring but, but her see, back in but, but but apparently it's not because he said it was stock images so i well, mean he's, he's actually he's actually lying about that yeah that's an that's all-time cross, lie right that's there. crossing the line yes, i sent exactly. a bunch of selfies of my face but those ones of those <laughs> that three incher nah, yeah that's just yeah that's just stock that's just stock yeah what a all clown right. Let's get into our betting segment where we both did well last week, Skinny. It's it's a hotly contested battle. Uh, you were three games back going into it. You made up one. I was five and three. You were six and two. That brings us to now I am one, 102, 101, and six overall. I came above 500. You are 100, 103, and six overall. So uh, it, it's tight here heading into the final three games of the NFL season. Your teaser failed because of the Ravens screwing you over. Oh, that that would that would. When they were driving for the touchdown to tie it at ten, I thought, okay, I can't lose now. They're not. Yeah, this is going to be a one touchdown instead. The pick six and Lamar cracks his head on the on the turf, and it's night night. Yep, that was brutal. For both uh, me and Lamar. My two teamer with the Packers and Chiefs did hit. So uh, if you tailed me last week, you were in good shape. And really, you too at six and two. So hopefully, you guys made some money last week. Let's get into it. Sunday, three oh five p.m. We've got Buccaneers at Packers. The Packers are a three and a half point favorite, and the total is fifty one. Man, Green Bay's playing so great in every phase um, that it just feels like uh, I know Tampa's doing some great things on offense, and Brady, it's Brady. Uh, this is a hard one for me because it is Brady, and I have watched Aaron Rodgers in seasons where things are going awry, and he fixes them, and. Then in seasons where it looks like everything's going great and they can't finish the deal off for some reason. And that's what this kind of is for me. But man, as much as I want to take Tampa and they've been the team I picked, you know what? I am going to take them. It's a team I picked. It's the team I picked to win the NFC from the beginning. They're doing nothing right now to dissuade me of that. The only thing that dissuades me is the way that Green Bay is playing. Um, you know, the fact they got, uh, you know, they, they they got boat raced in week two by Tampa, and that probably sticks with them a little bit. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers is just doing great things. They can run the ball when they want to run the ball. Their defense is really good. I just think Brady finds a way. Um, this has got a little bit of a shootout written all over it. I'm going to go, I'll go, I'll go Tampa 30, Green Bay 28. So Tampa in the over for me, Tampa outright. All right. So I think we just, listen to you live talk yourself into that one i, I, I feel did. like you're about to say packers and you changed which which also tell tells me that that's why i probably should stay away from this game with a 10-foot <laughs> pole although you are getting the three and a hook i mean i like that yeah see I, I i disagree to me this is the easier game of the two i think i'll probably be alone on that one but i thought the quality of play felt like it took a major dip during the buck saints game i didn't think that matched up to the rest of the weekend and definitely not what we saw from the packers now granted you know, earlier when these two teams played, the Packers lost 38 to 10 and Rodgers got picked off twice. So, I mean, there's there's no reason Tampa Bay can't play with Green Bay. That's for sure. I would throw out there that 
this game is going to be played at Lambeau in late January. Yeah, no, so you're right. Not exactly like playing in Tampa Bay. I think that's going to be difficult on the Bucks. I'm going pack. But, but, but hang on, but Brady's played in plenty of cold weather, meaning sure. games in New England. I mean, sure, uh, but he's not the only one who has to deal with it. It's not no, just him. Um, I'm going Packers, and I think this is another potential reverse teaser spot. The problem is I don't know what you reverse te- who else you reverse tease them with because I don't I don't think the other game is a unless you really like the Chiefs, maybe you do it there. But Packers twenty eight bucks seventeen, so I'm going Packers and the under here. I, I will say to me, Green Bay, and this includes Kansas City. We're going to talk about that game in a second. To me, Green Bay here of late is, is is shown to be the most complete team in the NFL, in my opinion. I agree. I think they look like a, kind of a team of destiny this year. And, that, and that's where it feels like every time Aaron Rodgers gets in that spot, he fails to deliver, and then vice versa. When you feel like he's out of it, he comes through with flying colors. It's the weirdest thing to me. I think I think you're onto something there. I just feel like this team finally looks like the one that maybe everything's aligning at the yeah, right no, time. Because I, he's I, playing out of his mind. I mean, he's been awesome. So Yeah. I think that line's a great line. I can't imagine they don't get action both ways on that line. Oh, I agree. I think this is going to be uh, split much closer. Um, the other game Sunday at 640 is Chiefs three-point favorite, total 54. Uh, what do you got, Chief, Bill's Chiefs? Um, Obviously, a ton of hinges on Pat Mahomes. A, can he play? B, at what level can he play? And C, if he gets knocked out again, can Chad Henney even do anything other than throw a punt to the end zone and then a, and a one inch pass. I, I'm as much as I, before the year I had chiefs Buccaneers in the super bowl. So I'd love to go with that as my pick. I, I'm going with Buffalo. I, I, they Whoa. can, they can, they can beat you with Jared Allen throwing it. Um, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs has just been otherworldly. They don't run it great, but I think they showed in this last game, if they have to throw it 32 straight times, they'll do it. If Jared Allen has to run it 10 times in a game, he'll do it. If they have to turn it hand at the Singletary or Moss or whoever's back there now because Moss is hurt, um, they'll they'll do it. Defensively, they can get hot and cold because they are kind of a, 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 a blitzy type team. Um, I, I just think, and, and usually blitzing Pat Mahomes is not a good thing. Pat Mahomes will light you up. Uh, I, there's just something that makes me fear that Pat Mahomes, even if he plays, it feels like one more hit puts him back in la la land again. And I know it's not a concussion per se. It's a, a pinched nerve. Allegedly. That makes me, yeah, that may, yeah, right. That makes me worry even more actually. Um, yeah. in Kansas city, just kind of like the, the Cleveland game, they, they got up 19 to three. They got that early turnover in the second half. And then it just feels like they dilly dally a little bit and, and they, they did, they couldn't convert. Butker then hits the upright and it kept Cleveland around and, and, and gave them life. And the life was even more so when, when Mahomes got hurt, so I'm going to take Buffalo to win outright. It's probably insane on my part. Um, I'm going to go Buffalo. I'm going to go Buffalo. I'm going to go same score. Buffalo 30, Kansas City 28. So Buffalo in the over for me. Well, we're really close on this one. I thought I was going to be kind of out here on an island with my Bills straight up pick, but I'm going Bills 31, Chiefs 27. So I'm on the Bills okay, in yeah. the over as well. I, I mean, I feel like over the course of the entire season, the Chiefs were clearly the best team in the clearly. NFL. Yes. And minus three seems like a great number. So anyone that's on the Chiefs, I completely get. But I also think the Bills might really have some magic going right now. I, they just, like you said, they are doing everything well. Their defense played at a level I didn't even know they were capable of last week. I, I'm fading the public. I, I, I'm i going to go with the Bills here. I just think that they've got something. And and the Chiefs are, are really good, but it just doesn't seem like the best team always wins. You know, like yeah. it, it seems like for whatever reason, it just might not be their year, especially when you saw Pat Mahomes get up 
walking like he was uh, didn't know where he was and, and couldn't hold himself up there for for a second after that hit. That just changed everything in my mind a little bit. Like it was already kind of looking like, OK, are the like you said, they're dilly dallying a little bit. Are they are they locked in? And then you see him get up walking that way. He may be fine, but it just it just gave me a different feeling about the way the rest of this stuff was going to go. So, yeah, yeah, that's it. Bill's Packers. Um, you've got Tampa Bay in, in the other side, but th- that's where we're at. So, uh, the, I don't, we don't really have a, a teaser play unless you've got something you want to get. Yeah. Proud. I think, I, I think I would tease it, tease it just because those two teams, I can get them both at nine. I think I'll just do a two team or Tampa up to nine and a half Buffalo up to nine. Okay. All right. I like that. All right. Let's get into it. Ask any, anything. Uh, we've got a bunch of them here, so we might go through some of these real quick. I'll just start throwing them out to you. Okay, um, fire. If put to a vote today, would Cincinnati sports fans vote in favor of forfeiting the Bengals for A, an expansion NBA franchise, B, Reds being the perennial World Series contenders, or C, retain the Bengals and keep the status quo? I think if push came to shove, people would say retain the Bengals, keep the status quo. Um, I just think there's a, there's something for this fan base in this city they love the misery of it. They love the the tailgating of it. They still love the NFL product of it. Um, I, I think they would go that way. I think a close runner-up would be forfeit the Bengals and the Reds are perennial contenders. I yeah. There's no way we're doing I, it for I, an I, NBA I, franchise. This is not correct. an NBA city. It's just not. It never is going to be. It never would be. It never will be, no matter what anybody says. of Well, you got all those Kentucky guys. The Kentucky people don't care about those guys in the NBA. Trust me, they don't. I mean, I, I still love those those schlock minor league teams that would come through here. And I know one of them started said, we're going to get all the XUC and Xavier and Kentucky guys. And I, I remember I talked to a guy, about it, I said, yeah. And what all oh, people come, I said, they don't care. I'm oh, sorry, we got a question they, about they, that coming up too. Yeah. They don't care. So <laughs> um, no, they, they, yeah, that, that's not going to work. And so it's, you know, look, I, I think NBA is cool, but I, for me, if I want to get my NBA fixed, I'll drive over to Indiana a couple, three times a year and be done with it. No, I mean, I would love an NBA franchise. I don't oh, know I that know I'm, yeah, I know I don't know that I'm giving I, up the Bengals for it. Yeah, and I, but I know you're realistic about it, too, and about the, the chances of success. Yeah, I mean, the rest of the city doesn't care. I, I would care. Um, I also would not give up the Bengals for it. Like, that's the other thing about it is there is, you know, not a good history, but there is, like, the equity of being a fan, a miserable fan for 30 years of a franchise. Like, I'm not just giving that up to start rooting on a, an upstart franchise that has no history that I have no allegiance to as a guy in his thirties. Like you care about teams that you grow up with that you like when you're a a teenager and you're trading cards with your buddies and playing video games. That's where I think you really develop that love for a team. I think it'd be really hard to start loving a team at in your mid thirties. You know, I I just don't. Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I don't see that either of those work out. The, the Reds being a perennial World Series contender, I mean, look, that would be amazing. I think everyone would take either of these teams being competitive if you could guarantee that it'd be regularly. But, again, going back to our conversation earlier about the Reds and Bengals and Reds getting a pass, I, I don't think the Reds are nearly as relevant as the Bengals are in this city anymore. No, agreed, agreed. So, all right, one former – "Quote unquote pro team excluding the Royals, the Cincinnati Royals can be resurrected in Cincinnati. What's your pick? Options include Silverbacks, Commandos, Stuff, Stingers, Swarm, Mighty Ducks, Riverhawks, Kids, Rockers. 
And the list continues. The list goes on and on. Believe it or not, and maybe it was just because it was part of my childhood and it was different. And, you know, as a kid, you're, you're trying to find different sports you like or whatever. Or find the, I love the Stingers back in those days. I love the World Hockey Association. I don't know why. I, it was probably irrational. I was a teenager. My dad um, was not a deep-rooted hockey fan. I mean, he had season Bengals tickets, so he was a big football fan, obviously. Um, and my uncle was able to get me reds tickets a lot of times so i went to a lot of games but the one ticket that i think we had a 20 game package something like that the stingers games and it was one year it included the the soviet hockey team came here and played and it was a good you know it was a great secondary league i mean there are some great eventual nhl players that played in the wha i mean gretzky got his start there i saw i saw gretzky um as, as a teenager playing um so uh, to me the stingers but it's in that time and place i don't know if you could resurrect it today and it, it be to me, as special as it was then or as relevant as it was then. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Stingers, and, and I don't even know if there's another one I want to resurrect. I, I guess I would have loved to have seen the Royals. I, I was really, really young when they left town. Yeah, but that um, was excluded. You couldn't even use the Royals for this right, answer. Yeah, I mean, that, that I'd like to go back in that time and place to, to see the, the Royals because of just, you know, there were so few NBA teams that every team had two and three stars on it, for goodness sakes, that were big-time names of that era. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm going to resurrect the Stingers if it's me. You'd like to go back and see Russell? What I mean, uh, Oscar Robertson play? I would. <laughs> I, I would. Our guy Russell Westbrook 1.0. Yep. Um, I'm man. I, I think you, I'd you, go you, Cincinnati you, Silverbacks. I'm like, not a soccer guy at all, but I just miss Harambe so much that I think it would be great to bring the Silverbacks back and honor Harambe with that. Yeah, I, I, that, that's a good point. And that was obviously pre-Harambe when they were around. So, yeah, that's a good call. That would be yeah. kind of in honor of Harambe. Well, just bring them back as the Harambe's, maybe. The Harambe's, that's right. It's a good call. Make it ever, uh, Use the same jerseys, even. Yes, just that's, that's a good call. Believe it or not, do you, do you know that I was almost the play-by-play voice for the Silverbacks? Oh, I, I nothing would surprise me considering you were the play-by-play guy for a gun shooting tournament. I was, and I was the play-by-play guy for the, uh, was it the Commandos? It was one of those schlocky arena teams. Oh. I will say... I will say the, the the original Cincinnati Rockers arena team. I covered them for the Cincinnati Post, when, and that's when Arch Schleicher was quarterback, and that was a lot of fun too in that time and place because it was just different. It filled a little bit of a football void in the summer. They were good. I mean, they had Tony Collins who played in a Super Bowl was a running back. Ira Hillary who played for the Bengals was a receiver. Schleicher was obviously an interesting cat. Um, there, there'd probably be a close second for me. Maybe my favorite semi-pro team that came around. Wouldn't be the same now because of our guy Jared Lorenzen's passing, but I would love yeah. to watch the River Monsters with a 400 pound Lorenzen at quarterback. Yeah, that's a good call. There's a, there was a couple of great highlights of that him out that there. That one running, extraordinarily running viral. Yeah, yeah. No, no question. All right. If you had to start an NFL franchise with one of the four remaining quarterbacks and one of the four remaining head coaches in the NFL playoffs, who you got? Well, Andy Reid's the head coach. I mean, the, the guy's just a winner. And yes, he did need the Super Bowl for complete validation. But, I mean, he's just a consistent winner, and he's done it in, obviously, two different places. He's done it with different quarterbacks, different styles. Um, I think he's changed his attitude about, you know, being a kind of a little bit of a, of a riverboat gambler, and that was kind of highlighted by the fourth and inches call on Sunday. Andy Reid, it's not even – they're not even a close second coach-wise. Quarterback-wise, I, I guess I'd have to start with Brady. I mean, I, I wish it – and I think it's been glossed over, and maybe maybe – Maybe it hasn't, but it feels like it has to me. You know, remember the narrative of, okay, we're going to see, is it going to be Belichick going to do things without Brady? Or is it going to be Brady doing things without Belichick? And it always felt like, boy, I just don't know if Brady can do it at 43. And yeah, I know he's got nice parts around him, obviously. And he's got a head coach that's very offensive minded and Bruce Arians. 
Um, but they were stumbling and bumbling for a bit this year. And then you look up and here's Tom Brady, one game away from yet another Super Bowl with a different organization, different personnel, different coach, all those things. Um, that speaks volumes. I mean, if you want to know why he's the GOAT, th- this season just completely solidified it. And this isn't Peyton Manning with the Broncos. He's right. not being carried by younger. He's not a game he's, manager. Right. He's elevating them to this level. Right. He's taking this team to a, a spot that I didn't know they were capable of earlier this season because he's playing that well. And some of those guys, you know, they've gotten on the same page. Antonio Brown getting the mix, all that. Like, I get it. There's been some other stuff going on there, but he is playing like you said, I mean, we didn't know if he could do it at 43. And especially earlier this year, there were times where I, I doubted him and this team. And and now you're looking at it, it's like he's still really good. The only thing I would say with this question specifically is, is start an NFL franchise. If we're doing that right now, and I'm, I mean, I'm not taking the 43-year-old if, if well, we're doing it in the – yeah, yeah, I mean, take, obviously taking Pat Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I, th- I think if you're really getting uh, into the the semantics of the question, then I'd probably go Pat Mahomes. But I tell you what, you can't go wrong. I mean, all four of these quarterbacks are unbelievable, which is why these teams are left standing. I no, mean, that's it, exactly right. It's quarterbacks league, and all four of these guys are just at the 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 height of the NFL right now. So I mean, when when Jared Allen would be ranked fourth among those quarterbacks, it's unbelievable. Uh, in, in the year he's having, it's unbelievable. And like, honestly, if you gave me the argument that I'd rather have him over any NFL quarterback right now, I'd be like, OK, okay I can sure. kind of see that. Yeah, yeah, okay, I mean, yeah, sure. He might be the most talented guy. I don't know. All right. Uh, this is coming from our guy, Chad Brendel, and I'm not sure if I don't know about this. This might be the first part might be a topic between you guys. I don't know about. He says you have to pick one skinny okay. gas station, sushi, <laughs> barges, quarter zips or summertime short pants. Oh, man. What's the gas station sushi about? Is that a thing you do? Uh, no, it's no, it, I, no. I'm a, I'm a gas station hot dog egg roll guy, as you know. Egg roll, so, yeah. That's that. that's what I, I I was thinking. Maybe you confused the egg roll there. Yeah, he may he may have. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a gas station sushi guy. If I did it once, I shame on me. I was probably half in the bag when I did it. I wouldn't <laughs> wanted to do it. Man, that's a tough one because I do like my summertime short pants. I love me some three quarter zips. But I love me taking a charge, baby. Stopping the other team, showing your toughness, slapping the floor, getting up. I'm taking the charge, Rick. I hate this podcast. All right. So, uh, now that you've been there, what's the go-to Soto order? Uh, this was from tweets I sent out. We, uh, I, I took the girlfriend there for her 30th birthday. Asked for recommendations. Uh, what's the the go-to? The donuts. Lindsey Patterson said it best. Get the donuts. That's the only thing you have to get. Everything else, I think you just buy multiple dishes and share it. That's what we did. And where, I'm sorry. And, and, and where was this? Soto downtown. Oh, uh, downtown. Sorry. Yeah, Italian yeah, restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Great date spot. Uh, it's underground. You go in real intimate candlelit dinner, all that stuff. It's great. Go. Um, it's not too expensive. I mean, it's expensive, but not like super expensive. It's not like like Ruby's priced or anything like that even. So um, and, and, and you don't strike me as a bottle of wine type. Am I right? Uh, you know what? I had beers, but then we did a flight of wine with dinner. Oh, okay. All right. Where you, where you got right. to do three. And I, honestly, all three of them were the best wines. I, I'm not a wine drinker at all. You're correct. But all three of them were the best red wines I've had. They, they okay. all paired great with the meal. So I, I drank a, like a full pour of one of them and it was good. Nice. Very good. Great, great Very spot. Good. If you're looking for a good date spot. Um, yeah, we got three of three of the dishes and all three of them were really good. The, the short rib, uh, Capalachi, I think they call it. It's basically like short rib ravioli. That was the best one. So go with Ooh, that. That sounds pretty good, actually. Very yeah. well. Nice. Very, very good. Uh, if you broke into Skyline and could make whatever you wanted, what would you make? 
Cholitos. I, I, for whatever reason, there's just they make them. So I try to make them at home. I can't do it. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I'll eat it. Don't get me wrong. It, it's it's like one of those late at night quickie meals. If, if you just have a hankering for it. But yeah, I think I'd go Cholitos. It's not that's, that's not my normal Skyline order when I go to Skyline. But I think if I could do that, I, I, I'd make me some Cholitos. Those, those are those are darn good. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the Cholito bandwagon. I uh, what I really like from Skyline, too, is the extreme cheese. So I'm just I, I, it's funny. I don't and I like heat. It's weird. I, I, I don't know why. I just love their regular their regular cheese. I, yeah. I, I will say the, that that when the, when it's melted on a coney properly and you've let it sit there for a bit, like on the car ride home and you don't open the box and you don't touch it, even though it smells so good that you feel like you need to. And by the time you get home, that cheese is on there just right. Oh, man, no, I oh, hate man. It. I hate really? that. I don't like the cheese melted down. I hate doing the car ride for that reason. Oh, I gotta I, eat it right away while the cheese is oh, still like uh No, I love solid. it that way. Yeah, no, I love it melted mm. down that way. It almost honestly, it almost uh it almost makes my eyes water. It's so good. Wow. Yeah, that I, I mean I I like Skyline a lot. I I don't like the melted cheese part. That to me, Skyline is one of the places that like you have to eat it there, or if you go through drive through, like I'll eat it in the car right away. Now you know I gotta get it immediately. And, and here's what's funny is we don't do skyline carry out much we have a bunch of the boxes we, we do we have a bunch of the boxes of of chili in the freezer and then the chili their chili dip too by the way is superb yes. um but if we do go to skyline i don't even get the chili because I, I i can eat that in our, i'd rather the spaghetti i'll get conies if i ever go so um yeah yeah i'm that's not a i'm not a take home skyline you know regular because i'm like i can just get that out of my freezer and make it and it's just as delicious so yeah. why, why waste but the conies they just that they, they, you gotta have them you can't you can't even try to replicate the conies at home you gotta have their conies with their sauce with the melted cheese it's just it's got to be that way i agree with that i i go three conies extreme yep. cheese that's my meal what what do you usually get mine mine is three conies uh onion and mustard and yes, uh, let let the, let the cheese melt down all right all right. Uh, if you had to launder money, what business do you think is best for that? Um, I already solved this problem for us. I've got the best. Like if, if anyone ever needed us to do this for them, we could actually pull it off. I, I, I saw I saw a Law and Order episode of this yesterday where a guy was laundering some drug money um, by buying diamonds and then and then then going to the black market and reselling the diamonds. Yeah, that's smart because diamonds are one of those like precious where people don't really know the value necessarily. So you could even be doing fake ones. Correct. And yeah. Jacking that price up. So I've got, I've got an even better one. That's perfect for us. Like we could easily do it under the guise of this podcast. Even. Okay. Sports book. It's yeah, a oh, cash yeah. business. Yes. No question. Yeah. yeah. We just get a good accountant. I'm not going to name names, but I know a few <laughs> and we just start cooking the books and we're getting way more bets than we actually are. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always, it's about the skim brother. Yeah. So I, I actually think we'd be perfect for that. Uh, <laughs> Your stripper name is the name of your first pet in the street you grew up on. I know this has come up before. It was driving me nuts because I couldn't find what podcast it was on, and I couldn't remember exactly what your name was. I'll repeat mine. I, I tweeted out there. Um, Chantel Lindale, which I'll be quite honest. I don't know if there's a better stripper name out there, quite honestly. Like, that is elite. It sounds luxurious. It sounds exotic. On the main stage, Chantel Lindale. Give it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's perfect. Uh, what, what was yours again, though? It was driving me crazy. I told people on Twitter, I think it has to do with Alabama. It does, because my mother was born in Alabama, and our first, uh, our, our, we had a cat at the time that we named Bama. We were really original. We had, we had three cats, and it was for the three places we lived. 
or where my parents Bama. Uh, Bama? That's Tucky. And yep. that's Sippy. Oki. Oh, okay. Oki, because we lived in Oklahoma. Poor little Oki bought it one day, running across the road. Poor little fellow. He was he was he was nuts. So I I felt bad for little Oki. But yeah, so so Bama, and technically this isn't the first street I grew up. I don't remember that street. I was only there for probably six months as a baby. We lived over in Cincinnati, and I honestly don't remember. But the first street I remember, and the first house I remember, and we lived there from the time I was like two years old on. So I consider that my first house until we moved when I was six. Is Fairwood Court in Florence? So it would be Bama Fairwood, baby. <laughs> Bama Fairwood is pretty good because that's like I feel like that would be the small town girl that moves to the big city. Yep. I like a more upscale strip club where she's kind of out of place. Hi, I'm Bama Fairwood. Yeah, she wears the jean shorts with the uh, with the the cowboy boots tied. Yeah, and cowboy boots. Exactly. Yeah. Now to the stage. Bama Fairwood. Chris Stapleton comes on or something. I mean, exactly right. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I like it. No, Uh, probably Wagon Wheel comes on because it's everybody's favorite. Oh, my God. Shoot me right in between the eyes. I hate that song so much. Uh, that might be my least favorite song uh, in the world, actually. Because it's always played whatever bar you're in at the end of the night. It's played at weddings bars yes sporting events i don't really understand the overall general appeal where people think that can be played in every public venue because you know why it's got a little sweet caroline to it where everybody knows the refrain that is the problem yeah that that has become the issue but it's not i mean i don't really love sweet caroline either but it is not nearly as enjoyable to hear people sing wagon wheel as it is sweet caroline maybe it's the twang maybe i'm a hater on the twang that might maybe be a you me are. thing. Yeah, yeah it could be could all be. right do you have a least favorite song ever a least favorite. Yeah. Like the song nah. you hate the most. Cause I think wagon wheels definitely mine. Yeah. I mean, for me, if it would be one that comes on, I just would turn it off. So I guess no, you I, can't I, I, turn I, wagon wheel off my friend. It's everywhere. It is that that's a fact that I've been in plenty of bars at the end of the night where, you know, suddenly people start singing it and you're you like, you probably uh, sing it with them. No, I just kind of sit there and gawk and go, get me the hell out of here. I'm drunk. Last question here, Skinny. Similar to Tennessee giving money in a McDonald's bag to the recruits, what fast food restaurants would local schools use? Uh, I mean, if you didn't see the story, just unbelievable. Obviously, Jeremy Jeremy Pruitt Pruitt. fired. Um, And yeah, they were just apparently, according to Dan Patrick and his sources, at least, they were not uh, trying to hide it at all. They were having guys on visits and handing out McDonald's bags with money in them. So that's just an amazing move. I don't I don't hate that. It, 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 it's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. I mean, it, it really truly is. Um, I, I guess they figured, oh, it's going to look like we're giving them two large fries. Yeah, never mind the 200s coming out of the top of it. <laughs> I mean, in, come on. In 2020, stupid. they were doing right, this. Right. Not in 1960. I mean, there this are is, so many other ways to do that. This is as silly as like seeing one of those ESPN uh, 30 for 30s. And, you know, one of the guys from the Pony Express talking about, oh, yeah, they were giving us $100 handshakes with their business card and $100 taped to the back of it. It's like, this is as silly as that. But it's in 2020 where you absolutely know for a fact it's going to get exposed. Well, hell, Ron Meyer admitted in that 30 for 30 where he would go into a school, tack up a, or pin up a $100 bill with his business card on it for a recruit. I mean, that's so beautiful. It's so blatant. It, it's so great. But, I mean, just like the idea that these guys at Tennessee were doing this right now where anyone can easily put it on snapchat put it on instagram story like this was going to blow up in tremendous fashion no matter what i can't believe it went on this long without being uncovered you know the 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 biggest part of the story that everybody's missing 
is how bad Tennessee was on top of all of that. Well, and that's I mean, how it usually gracious. works, right? Yeah, I guess so. If you're this incompetent and you're doing things like this, it's pretty clear you have no idea what the hell you're doing and running a program. Correct. Correct. All right. So, uh, so local fast food places. Yeah. I mean, someone sent the best answer already and it's skyline. I mean, that is right. Yeah. <laughs> if you're local, if you're doing this at a local school, you're probably doing it in a skyline bag. Cause that's what everyone's coming through Cincinnati to get while they're on their visit is they're going to try the chili. No question. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a perfect, yeah. A skyline bag instead of cracker bombs, you got uh, rolls of hundreds in there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I think there's some fun things you could think about where, like, uh, I know Dana Gardens just built a new shed out back behind it. Like, I think Xavier could maybe just keep a, a stack of, like, it was like Fort Knox. They have, uh, I don't know, maybe C.J. Anderson guard the shed overnight. And, yeah, like, uh, you just you take the recruits over to the, the Dana shed. Get well, I, I, bag. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I think if you're going to do this, use, use just a generic brown bag or a generic white bag. I mean, you know, those things are in abundance all over the place. Don't I, use just a McDonald's bag. If I, if I was ever asked to be a bag guy, I want to use the old school gym duffel. Like it's kind of sure. rounded. It's got the soft outer. It's got the little strap, like the white strap, maybe two white rings going around it. Like the old school 1980s, 1970s gym duffel bag that everyone carried around. So, so, That's so- how I want to drop off my money. Here's how I kind of picture the way the Tennessee thing went down is they just like grabbed, you know, just oodles of money, stuffed it in the bag. And it was kind of a kind of a potpourri, kind of a catch as catch can of you don't know exactly how much is in there. It's not like you counted out ten thousand dollars and put it. You just grab a bunch of cash, stuff it in there and different bags are worth different amounts of money. It's kind of a it's kind of a Christmas grab bag. Oh. You, know, you, you you might get lucky and get the bag with thirty two hundred and you might get lucky and get the bag that's got seventy three hundred in it. And then if you're the GA responsible for dropping it off and you know, it's kind of like that. You reach in and you pull out a few hundreds and nobody. He's going to be the lesser known for it. Hey, yeah, that, hey, that's like being the Grubhub guy or the Uber Eats guy who's eating fries on the way. Right, right, exactly, yep. exactly. Yeah, no, Man, that, that 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 is one of the craziest ones going for sure. <laughs> so unbelievably stupid. And yeah, I I don't know what Tennessee does from here. I mean, they are in an absolute mess. It's going to be a major rebuild, and they're going to be doing it with uh, NCAA sanctions. Probably. So. Funny part is, you know, who their best coach probably's been since Philip Fulmer, Butch, Butch Jones. Jones. Yeah, Butch Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. That ain't good. No, ain't not good. at all. Do you not think, uh, do you think, uh, uh, Dan Patrick did throw out Jason Witten's name? Do you think that's a possibility for them? I just, the problem is, though, I mean, what's his experience as a coach? It's right. One Does thing that to go work? From, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know that, that, dude. I'm telling you, there's so much that entails being a coach. It's, it's obviously figuring out ways to launder money, but no, I mean, there's just <laughs> so many things that, I think if you haven't worked your way, at least in the ranks a little bit, I, I, I just, yeah, no, no, I, I don't see that. I, I don't see that happen. Uh, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced it wouldn't happen. I'm more, but like, I agree with you more so that I don't think it necessarily works. Even, even if Jason Witten could be a great coach down the line, I don't know that you want to count on him to step in, never having done anything at a, at a coaching level and, be the one to take over a major rebuild under NCAA sanctions. Right. No, exactly. I think that's, that doesn't that's, seem logical. And that's an impossible ask as well. Yeah. So. All, All right. right well, we, we'll be back Sunday for a college basketball podcast of nothing that's going on in college basketball. We, we, we invented something last week. We'll figure out something for this week, uh, but we appreciate good. all the questions and hopefully we'll get some college basketball. We're not too far away from pitchers and catchers reporting. So still a lot ahead. We've got lots of stuff for you at local 12.com. Lots of Bengals coverage. We're doing a player profile each and every day, kind of looking ahead to, to where each player stands on the roster. 
Um, we'll be doing some mock drafts and whatnot, so we'll have some of those things to talk about in the coming weeks. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for the questions, and thanks for being with us. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Pokery edition.